So you have a big idea, a new service, a product, a website, or maybe even a business you want to launch and you want to put it into the world Steve Jobs style. But the truth is you don't really know how. And here's the thing. If it's not launched well, no one is ever going to see it. And for that reason, like a tree falling in the woods, if you launch something into the world without building anticipation, will anyone want it? The truth is, probably not. So it's pretty important to put some thought behind how you are going to reveal this new thing to your audience that you've worked so hard on. No matter what it is that you're putting to market, you'll want to start your preparation well ahead of launch date. And hey, I get it. There are so many moving parts when it comes to launching something. Busting out your next big idea can definitely be intimidating. That's why my guest, Becky Keene, is here today to ease your worry and give you a plan. Becky helps entrepreneurs launch their great ideas into the world. She helps her clients to demystify the process and achieve consistent five-figure months in their businesses. Oh, and by the way, she does this all and adds in some woo too. Are you wondering what woo is? Well, you are about to find out. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hello, Becky. Welcome to the show. I am pretty excited to get to chat with you all about launching. How are you doing today? I'm doing so great, and I'm super excited to be here. So I know all kinds of things about you. You're somewhat of a celebrity in these parts, specifically for this thing that I hear people referring to as woo. So I want to get started right off the bat with discovering what that means, because I'm not sure that I 100% know what woo is. So why don't we talk about that? That's such a great question to start with, because it was something that it was actually another podcast host who naturally referred to me as someone who brought the woo. So she was describing me to her podcast audience and she was like, Becky brings the woo. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I do. And then I started referring to, you know, some of my programs as where woo meets wealth. Because in this space of being an entrepreneur, we talk a lot about like, how to make money, how to generate income, revenue, sales, strategy comes up a lot. But what we often don't hear people talk about is like the bigger picture and that there is like a partner that we can lean on for support, the universe, source, energy, woo. So to me, woo just means like being connected in some form to spirituality, to in something that is bigger than us. We can't quite touch it or taste it or feel it, but it's always there. And so when I work with my clients, I like to bring an aspect of the woo because A, it's free. 
B, it works. C, it just feels good. And it just adds value to whatever you're doing. And it's kind of like having just a little, not magic trick in your pocket, but like something extra in your pocket when you bring the woo to your work. And that can apply to any business. Okay. So you are a business coach and you work to help your clients generate consistent five-figure months, which I think is amazing. I mean, who wouldn't want some consistency in their business? But can you talk a little bit about what that looks like when you're bringing woo into the coaching that you do to help your clients achieve these lofty goals? What does that look like? Okay, so I'll give you a perfect example. Well, what I think is a perfect example. When we are talking about, say, a revenue goal, and today we're going to be chatting a little bit about launching. So if you want to put together a launch plan and you're launching a new product or a program or a retreat or whatever it is, even your own business, typically when people build out a launch plan, they think of what their targets are. So maybe they want to bring in like 10 new customers or they want to sell 100 t-shirts or whatever it is. The way I would bring woo into that is I would say, perfect. Now, once we get clear on the idea, spend a couple minutes, either in the evening, right before you go to bed or first thing in the morning, preferably both, and tap into your kind of subconscious mind, the energy of the universe, and claim that thing which you are calling in. So claim the revenue goal claim the sales goal, the sales target or whatever it is, say it out loud or out loud in your mind at least, and then say, or more. And it's like asking the universe to give you that support, to give you some help with your launch, but also giving the universe free reign to bring it in maybe in a different way. So a lot of my clients, you know, maybe they're doing a launch for a program and they bring in 10 people into their program but then they also book five VIP clients. So they may not hit their program revenue goal, but they've actually exceeded their revenue goal for the month because they were open to the universe surprising them with additional clients, additional ideas. So sometimes we get so fixated on what something needs to look like. And we're like, no, it has to be like this. I want it to be this very specific way. My business is supposed to be this way. When in fact, the universe has a different plan and I guarantee you the universe's plan is better than your plan. So it's just like being open to that energy and being open to having some support. And this doesn't mean you don't sit back and do anything. It doesn't mean you don't have a marketing plan. It doesn't mean you don't have strategy. It just means you tap into like a level of consciousness that is bigger than you. I love that because I think that's something that gets overlooked. And one thing that I'll say from my own personal experience is that I completely underestimated the heavy lifting that comes with mindset. And sometimes just sitting with your thoughts and sitting with the ideas of your goals, because you can sit all day long and make goals, right? You can make goals for yourself and you can focus on the goals. But deep down inside of you, if you aren't fully convinced that that goal will come to realization, it probably won't. So is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. And I think it even takes it a step further in that we're going to doubt ourselves. We are on this path of being an entrepreneur. Like we have to take big, scary leaps. We have to make investments. We have to do things that feel outside of our comfort zone. So it's like claiming it for yourself, but also saying, I don't actually have to do this alone. Like there could be something else that can help me with this. So 
Yeah, it's having that confidence in yourself, but also having trust and faith that there is a master plan and it's all kind of heading you in that direction. I love it. So there's like a greater force at play here that we're not fully aware of until we sit down and really connect with it. And it sounds like, I mean, to a person like myself who's new to woo, <laughs> yeah, it sounds a lot like meditating. Would you compare it to that? Oh, 100%. Because at least for me, the way that I access this source energy, the universe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, is by tapping into my own physical body, getting quiet, getting still, and using my breath to connect with my body, but then also using that to connect with that which I can't see and feel. And for some people, it's like a walk in the woods. Or for my husband, it's going surfing. It's being in the water and being in nature. So it's kind of letting go of the mind, which is so controlling. And the mind analyzes kind of everything. An example that I just want to share is like, Someone who's just launched their very first thing, maybe they only sold two of the things, they only got two clients, their mind is going to tell them that it was a flop. The mind is going to say it's a failure, but source or the universe potentially has a master plan and is like, this is the first time and next time 10 people are going to buy that thing or 100 people are going to buy that thing. So have some faith in where you're going with this and don't get sucked down especially by the limiting stories that your head is going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we never succeed and we never take leaps and we never go forward. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, they're just completely unaware of their limiting beliefs. I think for some people, they're buried so deep down inside. And maybe I'm speaking for myself as like an Enneagram type three, that <laughs> they're so dialed in on the goals that yeah. they forget to do the really hard work that is actually shifting your mindset. It's easy to ignore and it's detrimental to your business if you don't do that work. Yeah. And I'm slightly familiar with the Enneagram 3, right? The achiever. So you guys like to be validated by certain things. You want certificates, you want pieces of paper, you want degrees, qualifications, like all these. And I'm not just saying you, but you want to check boxes. (laughs) Yeah, check boxes. And that's beautiful, right? But also there has to be room for play and fun. And your own creative ideas, as opposed to what society says you should achieve. Mm-hmm. And that's like a whole nother topic. I could go on and on about limiting beliefs because I think it's really powerful. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. I know that we're here today to talk about launching and we're going to get to that, but I had to dive straight into the woo because I'm like, okay, let's get this out here. What is it? Let's understand it. Let's appreciate it. 
let's woo about it later. Yeah. <laughs> but I also want to know what brought you to become the coach that you are? What's your interest? What's your background? How did you get here? Mm. I never know how to answer that question because it's such a big loaded question because my background is actually in oil and gas in the marine industry. And I was a sailor from the time I was 16 years old, pretty well up until my mid even mid to late 20s. I worked on cargo ships, container ships. I sailed around the world on a three-masted sailing ship. I worked on supply vessels off Sable Island and overseas. I was on container ships in Mauritania, in West Africa. And, you know, kind of when I wanted to start a family, I ended up getting a job in management. So like management, marine management, regulations, OHS stuff, safety, That was great while I was doing it, but there was always this other thing kind of nagging at me and I wasn't quite sure what it was. I thought maybe I was supposed to be a lawyer. I thought I was supposed to be a doula or a midwife or an obstetrician. I had all these different ideas and it wasn't until really after having my kids, I started to think about like how I could do something differently with my time. And I really, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, I got really, really tired of like going to an office doing the thing that the boss told me to do. Like I just, I fell out of love with everything that I was doing, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really clear to me what that next step was. I was like, I can't just quit my job to do this completely unknown thing that I don't know what it is. So I did end up, after my son was born, I started a consulting firm in the same industry. So still for oil and gas and in the marine kind of safety world. And that part taught me that I could run my own business. Then I started a second business building apps for the safety industry. And people started to come to me with both, well, with my consulting business, like I started to make money really, really quickly. Within that first year, I'd hit six figures. And people were like, how did you do that? You just left your career and now you're making more than you made in your career. How did you do that? So it was really supernatural the way I started kind of working with people and coaching. I also went through this whole spiritual experience with a car accident that I was involved in. And I just saw like everything kind of flashed before me. And I was like, okay, I'm bringing these two things together and I'm going to coach. I'm going to help other people tap in to who they really are because that car accident in particular, there was this very clear moment where I was like, my gosh, I could be dead one split second. And it would have been me that was killed on impact and not the person who was. And I just kept thinking like, I have spent a decade doing something and I've spent years feeling stuck. And this is not what I want to do with my time. And I have these two beautiful babies at home and this amazing husband. And like, what am I doing with my day? So it's like this launching pad for what I wanted to do. And I, you know, I don't know what the stats are. I should probably find this out. But the amount of time that we actually spend at work, like what if we were doing something we loved? What if it wasn't this thing we had to do, but part of our passion, part of our purpose, and we could monetize that? So that's really how I started to coach um, women in particular. And I wanted to coach women because I was so burnt out. The oil and gas industry is primarily male, as you can imagine. And as much as I love men, I needed a break. (laughs) I needed to work with some feminine energy. And so that's why I started to coach. And it was like one thing kind of led to the other. And I tell people like, I just followed those breadcrumbs. It was like the universe would send me these nudges, like these little things right in front of me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow that. And I didn't know 
I didn't have this master plan. I didn't have this big plan laid out in front of me. I just kept following the nudges and my intuition. And at some point, I did have to put a bit of a plan in place. (laughs) When I was just getting started, it was very natural. And it still is. Like I still check in and I'm like, okay, where is this going? And what do I want to do next? I ask myself, how do I want to serve every day? How do I want to serve and support people every single day? And that includes honoring myself, but it also means like, how do I want to support my clients? Mm -hmm. I love that because I think a lot of listeners needed to hear that because I think a lot of them believe that, why don't I speak for myself a little bit here? I think that there's this underlying belief that you need to have a plan. Mm -hmm. You turn 18, you finish high school, what's it going to be? It's a lot of pressure. And I think a lot of people just don't know, and that's okay. And I think it's okay to give yourself permission to just let the wind guide you, you know, just let the universe guide you. I know I'm a product of that. I turned 18 years old, graduated high school, needed to have a plan. So I picked one that meant nothing to me at that time. My brain wasn't even developed. Yeah. And before I knew it, seven years later, I have an occupational therapy degree and I actually don't like it. Right. And so then I start to let the wind blow and just go with it. And I think it's fine for people to give themselves permission to change careers, to listen to your gut, to like not have a plan. And just live your best life. So I'm really happy that you said that because I think that's important. And every part of your brain, not only every part of your brain, but probably your husband and your mother-in-law or your neighbor or your teacher or your wife or your whoever is going to tell you, you should have a plan. Mm -hmm. This is where so many people get stuck is because they're like, oh my God, I really want to do X, Y, Z. Or maybe I just want to take a month off and travel and figure it out. And it's like... Everyone and their dog is going to tell you that you should have a plan. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is absolutely about following those nudges. There was something else I was going to say. Oh, I was chatting with, actually, I bumped into someone on the beach this afternoon and she was trying to figure out her next thing. And I could just see her brain interrupting her because we came up with this like first idea of how she could make money based on the things she loves to do. And then her very next question was, but how will I X, Y, Z? Or what about blah, blah, blah? And what if do, do, do? And I always say, create the problem first. Like a coach, for example, who's just starting their business, they're like, but I need a contract or I need this and then that. And I'm like, actually, the first thing you need is someone to say yes to work with you or someone to buy your t-shirt, someone to buy your thing that you're selling. And that's scary for people because we're taught that we're supposed to have a plan. But it's like, if you could just do that first step, And that first thing, then the other bits are going to become clear and apparent to you. Mm -hmm. And then back to your original point, if you're letting the universe guide you, you have an open mind and you're open to the plan not going exactly the way you thought it would. And that's what the most successful entrepreneurs are comfy cozy with is the fact that you might set out to run a business in a certain way, but the universe or in a less woo way, your customers are going to want something a little different. And are you prepared to pivot your original plan to accommodate those customers? Because if not, eek! And if you are, then great. Like, you're already all set for success. Yes, totally. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. 
Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. So all about launching. Now, launching could be a digital product or a program or maybe a physical product or an event or whatever. It's all kind of the same foundation, right? And I can speak from experience that if you overlook your plan to launch, it's gonna flop. So like full disclosure, I launched a program and I made exactly zero sales. So I know that it's a tricky thing that you need to be ready for. So this is an important topic to me and it's an important topic to my listeners because I'm sure that they've had an experience as well where they set out to do something and they were met with crickets. So let's dig into it. Okay. As you're talking, I just thought of another point. And I mean, there's probably like 10 things I want to say about launching. So I'm going to have to be really strategic here. The first thing is all about testing gathering information, validating your actual idea. Like you said, no matter what it is that you're selling, it's important that you have information that tells you that this thing is going to sell. And I tell my clients that I have never launched anything that I wasn't 100% sure that I wasn't going to sell. Like I knew it was going to sell. And I knew it was going to sell because long before the thing ever went on sale, or I had a sales page, or I had a program outline, or I had a product, I had validation from my customers that these were things they were interested in. Now, I do this without paying for any kind of market research. I also don't send surveys. All those kinds of things, they can absolutely be used. So it depends on on like who's listening and what type of product or program they're launching. But it can be as simple as like on your social media feed. So For example, if I'm going to be launching a program or if I want to launch a program about sales, okay, I want to teach everyone how to do sales. Long before that, I'm going to be posting on Instagram because I get a lot of clients from Instagram. So you need to go where your clients are. I'm going to be posting about sales. I'm going to be talking about sales. I'm going to be asking questions to my audience about where they're stuck with sales, what type of support they would need to have a good sales strategy. And I'm going to create an entire conversation around my idea. And this whole time, I am acting like a detective and I'm gathering this information. I'm literally taking the words out of the messages that they've sent back to me or the comments I've had on Instagram or the emails that they send to me. And I'm going to use that to build the foundation of my program. One of my programs, in fact, is based off of one of my products. It's a digital product is based off of the five questions that people ask me the most. And I got tired of answering the question and I turned it into a product. I knew it was going to sell because everyone asked me that question and for that information. So my first advice to people 
would be to really test your idea first. Don't test something that you're not getting feedback from. Don't test something that you're not getting information back on or that you're not getting questions from. That's like step number one. Test, test, test. Validate. Totally. So what happens if someone sets out to ask a question and they're met with crickets? Like what's an easy way for people to start generating that information or doing that primary market research on their own? Well, if they're met with crickets, then either their messaging is off or potentially they're not on the right platform. So you do need to know that you're on the right platform where your customers are. I track where every single one of my customers comes from. So I know that about 75% of them are over on Instagram and are following me over on Instagram. So if you're met with crickets, well, A, don't launch that thing. (laughs) So you have to stay in that first phase until you get feedback. So change your messaging, change your questions, like be willing to experiment with what your idea is until you start to get some feedback that tells you you've landed on the money, that this is the ticket. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I think too, for some folks like who might have a physical business, for example, like bricks and mortar, don't underestimate or don't undervalue the conversations that you're having with people that walk in your door. What are they asking for that you don't have? What are the things that they're saying? How do they describe your products? Like all of this stuff, keep track of it. This is how you do your primary market research, right? 100%. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be on Instagram. It can be in conversation. It can be in emails. Just like you said, for bricks and mortar, it's the things when people walk in the door. That's 100% true. Amazing. So what's the next thing? Step number two is I like to do pre-sales and pre-sales can be anything. So, okay, well, once we've got our idea tested and validated, That would be number one. Truly, the next step is going to be to then create your assets. So you validate your idea. I would create the assets in the simplest form possible. So for example, if I was launching a program, I'm just going to do a simple PDF as opposed to a big sales page for, you know, product-based business. Maybe it's like an order form, but I would keep your assets really simple, at least for the first round. I think people think they need to build out this big, massive thing. And it hasn't even sold yet. So it's like, keep it as a simplest format, especially for that very first launch. And then see if you can pre-sell it. So I work, you know, with so many coaches and service providers and we talk about pre-sales because what that does is, so pre-sale is like getting it sold before you've even created it. So this could be a course or it could be a product or it could be a program, could be a coaching package, whatever the things are, pre-sell it get a list of people who are interested in buying it. And I take it a step further. I'm like, don't just get the list of people who are interested, actually get them to pay for it. Like book in now, purchase here, buy now, get the payments coming in, at least a few of them. That does a couple of things. First of all, it totally validates your idea. If people are willing to pull out their credit card, plug that into an order form to purchase your thing before it's even ready, It's going to absolutely validate that they want that. You are then, as the entrepreneur, going to be able to go take that revenue, plug it back into your sales funnel, your marketing funnel, creating your assets or whatever it is, a course launch, whatever the thing is that you're building. And it gives you that momentum. You're like, I know this thing is going to sell. And your idea is like double validated. Mm -hmm. So that's the second thing I would do. Pre-sell. Yeah, you know it's going to sell because it's already sold. And now you got to get to work. And create it. I love it. It makes so much sense because 
when you're doing it that way, you're not wasting your time and your resources, which essentially like our currency in 2020, let's be real, is our time, right? That's what it comes down to. That's our most limited commodity. You can make more money. You can get more of pretty much anything else, but you can't get more time. So if you're wasting your time working on something that you don't know if people want to buy it, you're never going to get that back. Totally. And during that process, during that phase of pre-sales, you're going to hear all the questions and the concerns. So you're going to hear your customer objections. Maybe it's, oh, but do you have a payment plan? Or will you ship it to Tanzania? Or can I join virtually? You're going to get all of the questions that people are going to ask. You then are going to incorporate it to your full launch package. So it's like all this information is gold in helping the product or the program actually sell. Yeah, because everybody's going to come to a transaction with a set of objections. And if those haven't been addressed, chances are you're not going to make the sale. And it doesn't mean that they don't want to buy it. It just means that their objections haven't been, I guess, debunked or challenged or overcome at that point. Yeah, you haven't addressed their objections in your marketing at some level. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And like the majority of objections, I guess the, the easiest objections to consider, especially with a program, would be people saying like, well, I don't have the time and I don't have the money. One of my coaches made an analogy that snapped it into perspective for me. So let's say I have a program or a product or whatever, and it costs $1,000. And I say, here's my program, it's $1,000. And often you're met with the objection like, okay, I don't have time, that's one thing. But another thing is, I don't have the money. And then she said, what if you told the same person that you had a Ferrari to sell them for $1,000? They had to whip out their credit card. So the issue there isn't that they don't have the money, it's that they're not convinced that whatever you're selling them is worth it. And it's your job to convince them of that. Yep, 100%. I could seriously do an entire podcast about customer objections. So I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. Let's do that one in the future. (laughs) Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be. And you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a tonic site. Until I discovered tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable. They're code free and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%. That's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. What's the next strategy for launching? Okay, so the next thing I would suggest people do is to pick three ways to sell the thing and have a couple in their back pocket. So oftentimes, especially as entrepreneurs, we think we need to do all the things, all the ways, have all the sales and marketing channels. I like to really focus on having three simple things that I'm going to do. These should be in a perfect world. Things that you like to do as the business owner and also things or places that your customer is going to be hanging out. 
So for example, like I might host a masterclass, like some video information for my customers. That would be like one strategy that I'm going to use to sell my thing. So, okay, great. I'm going to commit to a masterclass. Second thing might be to do an email sequence. So email sales can apply to a program, a retreat, a course, a product, like anything physical, anything that brick and mortar stores are selling, you could have email series for. I love selling over email. So that would be another thing that I would pick. Third thing might be something on Instagram. Maybe I'm going to show up on Instagram every day. Now we've got reels to have fun with. Like I might incorporate that into my sales strategy. Other things to consider, like you could be doing Facebook lives. Gosh, there's like all kinds of different ways that you can actually sell your thing, but you don't need to pick them all. I say like have three and then have a couple backups. Backups might be for me, like is following up with people. So looking at who my past customers were or who said they were interested in this program, but didn't actually purchase it, I might follow up with them. So three main things and then have two in your back pocket to pull out in case you need them. Okay. So when you talk about using these resources to sell your thing, so Facebook Live or Instagram Reels or email or a masterclass or whatever, Are you just showing up and saying, hi, buy my thing? Or what does that look like? So if you have done your work, and that's something we haven't really talked about, but I say nurture, 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 sell. So 75% nurture, 25% sales. Adding value consistently through the warm-up period of your launch and then offering this thing for sale. So having powerful, compelling calls to action is super important. I remember one of the really amazing email marketers, her name is Tarzan K. We were chatting about my sales and marketing strategy. And I said, oh, I just do do all these Facebook lives. And she's like, okay, yeah. So what do you do at the end of the Facebook live? And I was like, oh, nothing. And she's like, what if you put your book a call link in the comments or you told people at the end of the Facebook live to book a call with you? And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. And I started implementing that and getting calls. So having a call to action In the email, like buy this thing, having an early bird that expires or a discounted price or a special price in the first couple of emails or in the masterclass, having a link so they can purchase it. Like this is 100% offering value to the people, to the people that you would like to enter and purchase your thing, but then also telling them exactly what you want them to do. And this is missed. Oh my gosh. I see this all the time. Someone's like, Hey, check out blah, blah, blah. They don't tell me where to go. They don't tell me how I can buy it. They don't tell me how to book in. It's nothing. And then I have to search for it and then I get tired. So actually, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. I mean, clear calls to action are so important. In the early days, I definitely missed that memo as well. So (laughs) I was putting out valuable content, but then I wasn't leveraging it. So it was like, that was it. Free content and we're done. And so I thought, you know, I'm just going to build an email list for a rainy day and then someday I'll send them something. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't quite work like that either because when it's not fresh in their minds anymore, you kind of missed it. So timing is super important too, right? 100%. I mean, my full launch plan includes calendars, layouts, and I mean, we can talk about that actually, is really having from the day that your card opens, the thing that you're going to buy, backing up your calendar so that you have ample time. A lot of launches fail because that pre-work hasn't been done of warming up and nurturing the audience. Like nothing irks me more than someone who just comes out of the gate and they're like, hey, do you want to buy my thing? I'm like, I don't even know what the heck you're selling. 
I don't know who you are. Give me time to get to know you. So a proper launch plan and launch strategy includes that nurturing period and then time to like warm up and get into the actual sales period. Absolutely. And that's also the time when you're going to debunk some of those common objections that you studied in steps one and two, right? That's right. Yes. Makes it sound so simple when you lay it all out like this. Like it's so (laughs) easy to follow and like just reverse engineer it. Like what's the day that you're going to launch and reverse engineer that plan back like whatever, four or six weeks and do the work all the way up to the launch. Yep. I love it. Okay. So hopefully I didn't take you too far off track. So far we've said step one, test and validate. Step two is pre-selling, create the assets, take a deeper dive on validation. Step three was looking at objections, super important. And then step four was pick three ways to sell the thing. What's next? Okay, so next is really holding space for the actual launch. And here's where I'm going to bring in the woo. So launching something is super energetic. No matter what it is that you're launching, you have poured probably, if you've done it right, a couple of months at least at the very minimum into this very thing. And so you need to have like inner capacity to hold space for that launch. And I think we overlook this because we come into something, we spent all this time building up to it, and now we're exhausted. Mm -hmm. And what I've experienced for myself is the energy that you bring to a launch is the energy that you're going to get back. Same thing with attracting clients, same thing with attracting money. And this whole idea of like, it's a difference of coming at something depleted and exhausted. Like if you're going to have a conversation with your children, and you're tired, and you're running on three hours sleep, and they want something from you, your chances of coming at it with like openness and being connected to your resourcefulness is a lot lower than if you had a full tank and you were coming at the conversation with love. Same thing with launching. So you need to build into your launch plan how you are actually going to hold space for yourself and feel really, really good. So for me... I need to have ample exercise. I need to go horseback riding. I need to keep my energy super duper high vibe. And in my world, a typical launch, like open and close card is going to be five to seven days. Could be longer, could be shorter. That's a long time to be wondering if people are going to buy your stuff and to be booking people into your programs or your offers. So you need to look after you. And this is something that people forget when they're launching their stuff. Totally. I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm sure that that factored into my miserably failed launch because (laughs) by the time, like I had done so much work and I thought in many ways, like I have this in the bag, I've done all the steps. By the time the cart was opened, I had nothing left. And I think that you're right. The energy that I put out was somewhat of a direct reflection, or at least my customers thought it was a direct reflection of how I felt about what I was doing. I was really excited about it. I just didn't have any energy left. I think that's really important. And I love that you said that because I think maybe as part of the plan, when you're reverse engineering your launch plan, like make sure that you're scheduling some time in there for you to just, I don't know, do nothing or do whatever it is that pumps you up. Like listen to your favorite song or take a drive or whatever that is. Like you got to make sure that you're keeping the energy and excitement there. And I guess also like in spite of maybe things not going exactly the way you thought it would. Exactly. And actually, that's a good segue to the next point. When things don't go well, is if you are 
I say high vibe. If you're feeling still high vibe and you have your resourceful and you're connected to your own inner energy, is then you can come up with solutions and you can come up with ideas. But if you're tapped and you can't think or you can't see or you haven't slept or you spent the whole day stressing about the lack of sales, you're not going to see it. You're not going to see what you could do on the closed cart day to generate 10 sales or 20 sales or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know some entrepreneurs that actually will stay far away from social media comments and email inboxes and whatever it takes during a launch to just keep whatever negative energy at bay so that they can keep focused and stay positive. And really, it's a pretty simple slay the beast to hire a VA to take care of like your DMs and your social media comments and whatever it is, wherever there's risk of like negative energy seeping in, you don't have to deal with it. Right. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. So are there any more steps? I'll summarize it in one thing. And we sort of already talked about that is this idea of letting go of the outcome. So when I am looking at a launch, say I want to make 100,000 on my launch. Let's call that my revenue goal. I'm going to go into this launch being prepared to hold space for that and more and not attached to the outcome. So attached to the outcome is going to mean that 10 people buy my thing at $10,000. Let's say that's what I'm selling. And I'm really bad at math. Is 100 times 100? 10,000. 100 people times $100. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Okay. So that's bad math. So that's not going to (laughs) work. I got a concussion last year. And ever since then, I can't really do math. Let me just look at this for one second here. Okay, so if I'm going to sell 100 things at $1,000, there you go. Let's say that's what I'm selling. Okay, could be that or it could be 10,000 by 10 people. If I'm so attached to that's the thing, what if there's a bigger plan? What if there's a different plan? What if I'm going to make 80,000 on this launch, but I'm going to book four VIP clients at 10,000 each? Or maybe an influencer is going to connect with me and want to do a launch together down the line. You need to be open to the energy of more, of abundance, as opposed to being attached to this idea of scarcity. And it has to be a certain way, like setting your goal, but also holding space for more and that the outcome might be slightly different. Don't be super attached to the outcome. And I think that's actually the hardest part for most entrepreneurs. They're so attached to the outcome. And the other thing I want to say, and this I learned from one of my coaches, Laura Wright, she talks about going into, you know, a sale or a launch with the energy of more so that, for example, if you want to make a hundred thousand, go into that launch with the energy of 200,000, because then you land on your actual goal. 
Mm-hmm. If you want to make 10K and you only go at it with 10K marketing plan and marketing energy, then you're only going to make 10K. Mm-hmm. But if you go at it with 20K, then you're going to be available to make more. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, you shoot for the stars and you don't make it, but you're in the sky. Yeah, you're up there. I love it. So Becky, what is one thing that we can leave listeners with? One action, like we've discussed a lot of things and I think that this episode was awesome. I've already learned things from it and I know that listeners will have things to take away as well. What is one action? And back to like your advice to always leave somebody with an action that they can take. What is one action that listeners can take today to get them closer to a successful launch? So one action is to give voice to the negative voices that are in their head. So write out all the things that your mind is telling you about why you cannot. Mm -hmm. You're going to write those things out. So like, I could never make that much money. No one will buy my thing. Everybody's going to think I'm a big idiot. (laughs) Yep. Nobody wants it. I made this up in my head. You know, I'm charging too much money for this. I don't have a big enough following. Perfect. Write down the entire list of all the voices in your head. Who do I think I am? What will my mother say? As silly as they sound, write them down. And then you're going to channel Byron Katie. So Byron Katie is famous for the work. She teaches the work, which is really kind of just flipping your thoughts. And you're going to ask yourself, who would I be without this thought? If I didn't believe this thought to be true, because thoughts at the end of the day are just a choice. We get to choose whether we're going to buy into them and believe them or not. Someone else handed you that thought, Kelly. Someone gave that to you. And all the listeners, that's not your original thought. Someone handed that thought to you. So you ask yourself, who would I be without that thought? What else might be possible? And then what actions would I take from that place? When I quiz my clients about this, they'll say something like, oh, I might believe, what else might be possible? I might believe that launching is fun instead of a ton of work. So launching is a lot of work. The opposite of that thought is that launching can be really fun. Great. What actions would you take? Who would you be without that thought? I would be the kind of person who would start my launch. What actions would you take? Oh, I would write my emails. I would put together a program guide. I would ask my audience. There's your actions. Then you're going to go do those actions before your brain tells you otherwise. Mm -hmm. I love it. And that was more than one thing to tell your listeners to do. I know, but it's important. Like write down the stuff that's in your head that's holding you back give it some space, then crumple it up and burn it. (laughs) Yeah, flip her on its head. Yeah, I love it. It makes so much sense. So Becky, you also have a masterclass. Yes, the five spiritual ways to launch and sell out masterclass. So it's a free masterclass. I'll make sure that I link that in the show notes. But because I um, internet stalked you, I know that it's beckkeen.ca slash masterclass. Is that right? BeckyKeen.com backslash masterclass. Wow, I really messed that up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Or is it forward slash? Well, how about this? We're going to link it in the show notes so that it'll be the right link and it'll get people straight there. Thank you so much, Becky, for your time today and your expertise. And I just know that if listeners follow the steps the way you laid them out, including that very last action that they need to take, they will be well on their way to consistent five-figure months And heck, maybe they're going to ask the universe for more. Yes, (laughs) love it. Thank you so much. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure I could talk to Becky all day long. She is so awesome. The energy she brings, the business savvy she has, the woo, I love it all. And I hope her wise words will help you to create hype before you launch something in your business. And above all, I hope this inspires you to put presence over perfection and to save some energy for your upcoming launch. You're going to need it. And by the way, I promise that when you do this right, you will see a difference in your bottom line. And don't forget to head over to the show notes to grab Becky's free resource at kellylawson.ca slash 031. Until next week, my friends, keep on slaying. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.